AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Some solid corrective buying hit the soybeans overnight. Might be a flash in the pan, but the recovery continued through early trade. Uh, Lots to talk about this morning. Economy, election, rail, RFS, a whole lot more. Let's hit the start button on this free-for-all. Live from Veterans Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. It's a full-on Friday for Reaper Hall. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. And right after the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork Chip is out and on the hunt today. I'm exemplary host du jour, Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Friday morning. Hope you're doing well. Um, in my neck of the woods, it got a little chilly overnight. Had some precip. Uh, there were threats of snow. I don't know if it maybe didn't survive the sunrise or didn't happen. Uh, it was just downright cold this morning. Uh, so bundle up, everybody. I think we're beyond sweatshirt weather now. We're into, like, actual coat weather for uh, for some of us. Keep an eye on the weather. Not sure the status of the predicted blizzard up north, but, uh, well, you all know how to keep an eye on the skies and eye on the weather. I might suggest you do that over the weekend. Uh, lots to get to today, but before we go any further, Veterans Day, let me express our gratitude and great respect for the members of our military, both living and fallen. The freedoms we enjoy this morning were fought for and paid for by their sacrifices and brave service. We must ever appreciate and remember them and uh, and strive to be the sorts of people that make their sacrifice worth the price paid. Thank you, veterans. Thank you. Thank you. We wouldn't be here without you. It's a uh, Friday free-for-all this morning. You know the drill. I've got uh, Wiesmeyer and Haney. We'll talk markets with uh, Brian Grady at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, Jennifer Scheich, just as soon as we discuss some of the news of the day. And let's begin here As of last night, Edison Research projected Republicans had secured at least 211 House seats, just seven short of the 218 needed to seize control from Democrats. But get this, 27 races are yet to be determined, including 16 of the most competitive based on a nonpartisan Reuters analysis. At the American Agricultural Bankers Association annual conference, bankers noted the ag sector overall will be in good shape for 2023, largely because of relatively firm prices this past year. But most are concerned about 2024, as some income transfer payments end and input prices likely will still impact operations. I think our own Jim Wiesmeyer was on hand for this conference, and I'd like to pick his brain about, because here's the thing. Come, uh, so through throughout 2022, watching inputs prices, uh, yeah, watching watching grain prices uh, firm, I guess you might say. We people would say, okay, well, we're probably going to do okay this year. Same as 21. Well, we did fine in 21, 
But, uh, you know, boy, look out for 23 because that could be the year to watch where it's it's time to pay the fiddler. Well, now these bankers say we we should be in good shape for 23, and now they're worried about 2024. Uh, I'm interesting. I'm interested to find out where that shift comes from, why that the can of concern has been kicked down the road to 24, and what maybe we we might need to anticipate there. I'll, we'll see what Jim's take is on all that. Uh, in other news, a cooling off period has derailed a freight railroad strike for now as key unions continue negotiations that could still spare agriculture and other industries. A devastating rail shutdown. The new strike deadline is early December. It's a nearly three week extension, but just a quote, kick the can down the tracks result for the ethanol industry, according to RFA's Jeff Cooper. Our industry is highly reliant and dependent on smooth and efficient rail service, and, and we're definitely reliant on the trains running. And, and if the trains stop running, ethanol plants stop running. The Energy Information Administration says ethanol production hit its highest level in four months, while inventories declined during the week ended November 4. Uh, the, the relationship between ethanol and rail is fascinating and we need both to keep going both in the headlines we'll talk to the guys about that coming up uh in canada news ontario's provincial government is proposing to remove protections from several thousand acres of farmland for housing development immediately adjacent to canada's most heavily populated region the ontario government has promised to find solutions for a severe housing shortage that has driven southern ontario home prices beyond affordability in exchange, the government says it will set aside over 9,000 acres somewhere else. Critics of the plan suspect that Northern Ontario acreage is likely being viewed for the swap. And Northern Ontario farmer John Vanthope says swapping productive southern farmland for northern acres would simply be irresponsible land management. Once you pave the land over, it's gone. Where that land is situated, it's not just some of the best land, but some of the best environmental conditions for growing crops. That's why we can grow 200 different crops there. USDA's Food and Nutrition Service launched a new initiative for healthier school meals through a $50 million grant opportunity. Tom Vilsack noted for children to reach their full academic potential, they must build healthy eating habits, and USDA recognizes the importance of private sector partnership in making this happen. China made more than 20 changes to its COVID policies overnight, and a group of lawmakers in Mexico is attempting to ban almost 200 chemicals used in pesticides, and the country's farmers are alarmed at the prospect. All right, with that, let's bring in Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. Jennifer, good morning. How's everything in your world? Well, good morning. It's a little chilly this morning in my world. I'm missing the 75 degrees of yesterday. <laughs> it's gone, baby. It's gone. We won't see it again <laughs> until spring. That. <laughs> yeah, that's all she wrote. Well, um, you you mentioned earlier you wanted to talk about some new grant money yesterday uh, announced for African swine fever vaccines, but bat meat and pork products caught by sniffer dogs in Thailand? What is the deal with that? Well, you know, that caught my attention, of course, because anytime, yeah. you know, you, I see sniffer dogs, I'm always kind of tuning in because it just is such an important reminder to us that we just can't get complacent about our efforts to keep, you know, potential foreign animal diseases out of our country. And so, yeah, some beagles in Thailand discovered bat meat, which is 
dangerous for a bunch of reasons, of course, but also quite a bit of pork products in a passenger's luggage that came from China. And so, you know, here's a case of a, a China national bringing over pork products in their luggage that could potentially have African swine fever. And, you know, it poses a risk. Obviously, you know, they're um, doing everything they can to keep ASF, you know, um, from entering into their country Um to and trying to protect it. So here we have that. And um, that's why the news about grant money to um, keep moving efforts forward with ASF vaccine was was really exciting to hear about this week as well from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. It, it seems like we're hearing less and less about ASF, and yet it's still a threat, isn't it, Jennifer? Oh, it is. And, you know, I was just I went to a meeting yesterday and, and ran into a longtime uh, swine nutritionist who said that Boy, these reports of ASF outbreaks are just startling every day, aren't they? And mm -hmm. the reality is it's it's all over the world. It's just not right here yet, thankfully, and we have to keep it out. Well, God bless the Beagles. Uh, we appreciate them, and we yes. appreciate you, Jennifer Scheich. Thanks for uh, being with us this morning. Thank you. Well, we roll on toward the Friday free-for-all. We are right at the precipice of conversation with Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. I hope you will stick around. We've got lots to talk about right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Radio hoodly doodly, everybody. Davis Michelson here. Your host, Chip, is out doing stuff today. So, uh, so here we are. You, me. Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney for this morning's Friday free-for-all. And let's bring the fellas in. I'm going to start with the Alberta breeze himself. Sean Haney, good morning. Thanks for taking time to talk with us today, bro. Hey, it's great to be here on this. Uh, in Canada, we're celebrating today. We're celebrating, I think maybe is the wrong word, but we were today's Remembrance Day, which mm -hmm. is uh, kind of a big uh, day off for a lot of people in Canada where they remember all of the Canadian war veterans uh, throughout uh, the different conflicts that have happened and even some Canadians that of course have uh, gone over and, and fought and, and passed in the what's going on in Ukraine right now. Well and here our own Veterans Day used to be Armistice Day uh, up until uh, you know we needed to to recognize the Korean War vets, the, the Vietnam vets and such. Uh, is it are we, are we tied to the same day Armistice Day November 11? is that the idea? Yeah, it, it it goes with the end of World War One is mm -hmm. is where that all comes from. So at uh, at eleven o'clock, uh, 
when it's your time zone across the country, people will have Remembrance Day ceremonies. And uh, I always try to tell people, remember, when you do run into a veteran, no matter how old they are or when they served, you know, thank them for their service to, to the country. Amen. Well said. Uh, Jim Wiesmeyer, all the way from the East Coast. Jim, good morning, sir. Good morning. I suppose uh, Washington, D.C. is all lit up with American flags and uh, regalia for Veterans Day. Oh, yes. It's raining here, but uh, actually we needed rain, so that's good on both counts. Jim, now, how are you doing putting together your uh, ownership group for the for the uh, commanders? Are you, are you are, is that coming together pretty good? I just hope we get a billionaire that wants to spend a lot of money because <laughs> they they need it. <laughs> and maybe a little bit more of a healthier work environment too while you're at well, it. We've known that for years here. It's finally gotten out. Well, now, and on the top, I think we're talking sports ball now. We usually start these free for alls talking sports ball. Uh, as as I understand since last time we spoke, Maybe I'm wrong on this, but the uh, the Houston Astronauts won the uh, the Global Series. Is that correct? Thoughts? Yes, Dusty uh-huh. Baker Jr. finally got a World Series. So that's and you good. called it, didn't you, Jim? Yes. Well, I hoped to call it, and I did. Yes, uh-huh. they did have the better team. They had the better uh-huh. team. All right. All yeah. Right. And and since we last talked, Davis, I'm not sure who had the prediction more wrong the the pollsters on the midterm elections or me calling <laughs> Tennessee over Georgia last Friday. <laughs> it's a tight race on that one. Well, it keeps life interesting this way, you know. Um, uh-huh. Well, and let's let's since you brought it up. I mean, we've talked a fair amount, a lot about the elections. Of course, being the midterm elections earlier this week here on AgriTalk, but we haven't really. Uh, gotten the the thoughts of our brain trust here um jim i i think you're the obvious choice to start us off talking elections give us general thoughts a broad overview well bewildering uh, a slog because we're still waiting for more than a few votes in california arizona uh and uh, nevada uh but it was a major surprise again i don't think most of the polls did a good job and of course the predictors will blame the polls. And it appears that the pollsters overweighted, actually, the Republican uh, votes this time after having underweighted them for last three to four elections. But let's get to the bottom line. I think if the uh, you know, uh, the Republicans clearly underperformed in in both areas, in both House and Senate races. And it's uh, to me, when you look at the numbers, the independent voter actually went towards the Democrats uh, based on exit interviews by two points. Um, when you go through those numbers, it's a clear a clear signal that uh, they have Trump fatigue. And even though he wasn't on the ballot, he was with the number of his candidates. He's done. Yeah, Jim, isn't there so many traps here going forward for both parties? Like there's there there's there's traps that if, for, if you're a major Trump supporter, you're like, you know, if we need to get him back on the ballot because that's what was missing here yeah. uh, in terms of uh, eluding victory. You got on the Democrat side, you know, the, is were people voting for the Biden agenda or like you said, were they were those independents voting against uh, Trump, even though he wasn't on the ballot, this shapes up to be so interesting for 24 because like Biden, Trump, if that if that's the ticket, oh, boy, um, you know, Biden likely has a chance again based on what some of the results of this midterm were. But if it's a if it's a if they 
put a Biden versus like a DeSantis, I, oof, that that's major advantage for the Republican side. So th- there is real major questions and I think traps for both parties on what the strategy and what they do going forward when it comes to those 2024 tickets. Yeah, I, I agree. Bo- both, at least in my recent uh, speeches, you know, to this past week, uh, People just want a better choice uh, for both political parties, and they want a new generation now. They're tired of the octogenarians, and uh, that goes across the board, uh, and they're frustrated on this. But it shows in the House. It looks like, subject to change, the Republicans could only uh, win the House by two to three votes. That means the the showboaters uh, in their party will have a a lot of clout, so not much will be done. Jim, take us back to the Trump conversation just for a second, because I've observed this too, definitely the, I I don't know if we can call it the dump Trump uh, movement just yet, that's really just sort of been murmurings, but uh, does would the former president have the sense to, to stand down and just go play golf instead, or is he the type to just sort of charge ahead and assume that that he's got it in the bag? Well, you're seeing and you, you're talking about Trump here, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. He's imploding right now. He's gone back to his potty, potty mouth self in attacking another member from his party, Ron DeSantis, because he's no he knows that Ron DeSantis was the real big Republican winner on election night and winning his race against Chris, the Democrat used to be Republican by 19 points. And in a long epistle yesterday on his uh, Internet site, he called himself a stable genius. He's neither one of them. Yeah, we're back to that again. You know, I, 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 I think that this there's cover now with DeSantis's strong performance here this week. It gives cover to some of those more moderate Republicans to throw support behind another candidate and not feel handcuffed. It's Trump or bust. Yes. And, and, look, and so oh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. Yes. Look at the at in a more than a few Dem, uh, Republicans who won. Their platform was bipartisanship, uh, and that's a key because there's their cover ahead. They were not the Trumpsters. And a number of Trump supporters since the election have come out and say he should not run. Jim, the uh, the quote unquote five in the House were a big topic of controversial conversation. How did AOC and her her ilk fare uh, over these elections? I haven't seen Mm -hmm. They did okay, but they're again, they're the showboat. Usually, showboaters don't have, you know, too much difficulty. So, if the if the Republicans do garner the House, it like I said, it'll be by two or three, and that basically neuters the Republican leadership. But but it's important who controls those chambers because they set the uh, what topics are discussed, and it mm-hmm. means that uh, Biden will be neutered himself, so he'll have to do more executive orders and regulations. And you're seeing it a- already now relative to the climate change announcement uh, for uh, methane uh, gas today. So I think that's where we're at. Well, now McCarthy doesn't have the room right now. He has he's going to deal with mm-hmm. the the further right side of the party. The other you mentioned about AOC. What about Beto O'Rourke? You know, lost he, politically. You know, he he might have uh, hit the end of his rope as well. This based on this uh, week's result. 
and Stacey Abrams. I mean, you know, yes, these people think. eventually have to win and, they, and they're not. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know whether Kevin McCarthy will even be the speaker now because, again, of the Mavericks on the far right side. I mean, he, he can't uh, afford to lose more than two. So they're going to play games. Here we go again. So mm-hmm. uh, high anxiety all over the place. But this but- does set up for 2024 because, as uh, as Sean said, uh, you, uh, you have more than a few Democratic senators up for reelection than the Republicans in 2024. And in this case, uh, you know, David Wasserman has frequently told me that Republicans, when it comes to Senate races, would screw up a two-car funeral procession, okay? (laughs) We saw that again this year, but I don't think they can even screw up 2024 when I look at all the races. (laughs) That's great. Well, and the the thought has been thrown out there that perhaps a... uh, a narrow margin in the leadership between both the House and the Senate would make for uh, more compromise, perhaps even dare I dare I hope for more progress. Um, so we'll we'll have to see a more accurate representation of the middle, perhaps even. Uh, we'll see how all of that shakes out. I've got Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney with me on this morning's free for all. We've covered the election stuff. We're going to move on. Uh, talk COP27, inflation, EPA, RFS, AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Brian, while we were in blissful slumber, the uh, bean market was making a recovery. Absolutely, Davis. Explosive move up, not only in beans, but uh, soy oil and and the meal market as well. So the soy complex is really um, being boosted here. Uh, You know, a lot of it is the China easing of COVID restrictions and and some of the regulations there. Um, You know, uh, I think it's it's given just a boost that uh, not only demand for soybeans, but uh, also just for commodities in general will be boosted if if, uh, China relaxes somewhat on their, their strict COVID policy. So that's that's price supportive. And the other one is that, uh, you know, the dollar just getting hammered again today down more than 1500 points and, and near a three month low. And, and uh, uh, you know, the expectations after yesterday's CPI report is that, uh, uh, you know, the Fed tightening cycle has probably uh, reached its peak and, and we'll see lesser um, increases in the uh, the rates moving forward feels like perhaps a healthy correction in the dollar, but uh, the cattle complex is not a fan of this morning's price action. 
No, you know, uh, so feeder cattle, they're being pressured by the strength in the corn market this morning. And, uh, you know, live cattle are trading down as well. The the cash trade this week has been disappointing, and, and the Packers just haven't been very aggressive in coming after supplies. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the expectation was that we would see firmer prices this week, and, and to this point, it just hasn't materialized so far. Uh, live or The uh, hog market's under pressure as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think just a kind of a, a general negative uh, pal over the, the livestock market so far here to, to close out the week. Outstanding. And uh, crude oil higher but trimming gains this morning, still under 90 bucks in the D's. Brian Grady from Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? And welcome back to AgriTalk. Anything else you might need to know, we are about to cover. Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney join. Uh, Jim, from your your commentary, there were a lot of we's, us uh, type of stuff talking about the american ag bankers association can i assume you were in attendance is that right yeah i spoke to them and i was in attendance and uh they had a great meeting in omaha it's just hard to get to omaha from dc basically it took me all day you know (laughs) wow sure sure they had a great meeting and uh, the reason why they're comfortable with 2023, as you said, uh, relatively firm prices, but it's the interest rates, uh, Ron, that that's the difference over the past few years. If you get the Fed funds rate to around 5%, that equates uh, to operating loan rates at the banks, at most banks, of about 105 to 11%. They're 75 to 8% now. Yeah, we're, we're going to hear so we're going to hear so much in 2023 about ratio analysis and yes debt servicing and people's capabilities to do that as uh, you know, debt servicing costs obviously go up as interest rates continue to to climb to deal with inflation. And you know, we're, uh, there's a lot of money loaned out. Let's be honest. Like, you know, look at the price of land. We had that record land sale price in Nebraska, which is uh, mm-hmm. try cash flowing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I there's going to be we could I don't know. I, I don't want to make it so it's like a so be so dramatic about it, but we're going to see a bit of a separation of winners and losers or like who's working capital becomes so critical in this kind of uh, this kind of environment that we're going to hear a lot more about those kind of phrases and terms here in 23. Liquidity and cash flow. We're back to yeah. that again. Yeah. Well, and there's there's even talk with the most recent uh, inflation numbers, the numbers about the economy that uh, we we might be looking at just a half point increase in December. Yellen is unwilling to to say, well, we've hit the turning point. And yet she didn't not say we've hit the turning point. Yeah, yeah you do need to see follow through one. Any economist or uh, official should say one report does not make a trend. Mm-hmm. However, the futures market is clearly signaling a 50 basis point uh, hike as opposed to 75 and even lower cuts early next year. And they should be at least done increasing maybe by the end of spring next year. That doesn't mean they'll start cutting you know, with the true pivot, but the market took off yesterday on the on the consumer uh, reports that showed a weakening. And even in the core rate, if you pull out housing, it was actually negative 
on the mm -hmm. growth. So mm -hmm. that's why it took off. Plus you have the dollar now retracing some of the move up. And so that's why I think the ag commodities, uh, most of them are doing well today. Well, and from a business perspective, look in the tech sector is a bit of a leading indicator here when it comes to uh, what happens in terms of layoffs. There is either hiring freezes or massive layoffs. You know, forget about what's happening at Tesla and those cuts. Across the tech sector in general, we are seeing a lot of layoffs, substantial cuts. You know, when we're talking about 10, 15% of a workforce, uh, that that is a lot. And, and so that is going to be also something we see, a, I think, a lot of in the first quarter that that extends outside of just the vertical of the tech sector. Yeah, your and unemployment as, rate's going to go yeah. up higher. If that's what they want, they're going to get it. It, absolutely. Uh, that kind of makes for a nice little segue into I'm not watching this stuff very closely. I don't know if either of you are, um, but uh, Twitter and Elon Musk are massive in some of the news feeds right now. And it seems like he's taking a, an approach to trim some fat, to encourage uh, incomes over at, over at Twitter. Uh, either of you have any opinion on the Twitter stuff? What do you got? I, I don't know what to make of what exactly he is, what what the end goal is. Yes, yesterday, an email to employees was throwing out there how you know he had to use selling some Tesla stock to bail out Twitter and even had the word bankruptcy yeah. in the email. It, it, I, I don't know if there's a purpose to this, a point to it, or what exactly he's doing, but he's got $44 billion that is borrowed. And I, I still am amazed the banks actually have financed this whole thing because I'm a little bit more on the negative side. He's got to prove it that he is going to be able to turn this thing around and make it some sort of uber profitable business going forward. Well, he's he must got to have make some billion sort dollar of plan. payments a year. He's got to make billion dollar interest payments each year, but it has to be profitable. So that's why he's starting to look at at uh, you know revenue generating ideas, and he's got a lot uh, more than a few leaving it from an ideological perspective. So it could be a shakeout. Yeah, he definitely has this. He definitely has kahunas. Like he 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 definitely yeah. has like he he is not scared to put a line in the sand and say this is the bold move. Here's what we're doing. We'll see if it works out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean, just let's talk one company. It's just one company. Don't that's get right. Too hyper. Yeah. So okay, so that's how we got here. This is not this is aberrational and not necessarily a reflection of the way that the tech sector may be going. Trimming fat, looking for ways to increase revenue. I agree. And in fact, okay. Apple wants uh, Apple, which is the best company, I think, in the world. They want China to solidify so they can get more production of the batteries, et cetera, and, and mm -hmm. the production of the phones. And, and so th that that means that looks like some easing of the covid of the zero covid uh, in, in China will please uh, Apple. But uh, th that's the only thing that's going to stop them. Yeah, when, when we look at the future of the green energy sector, I, I think it, now it was a, they were talking and the deal didn't happen, but there was reports that Glencore was talking about making strategic investments in Tesla, which, which shows you about how you know, the strategic alignment of what happens with some of these uh, special precious metals that are used in the creation of batteries, how, how that guaranteeing that supply is going to be that that may actually really choose who who is able to hit some of these mass production targets and who can't. Yes, agree. Um, talking about green energy, that takes my brain over to ethanol. Jeff Cooper is concerned about the rail stuff. 
Um, something to the effect of if rail isn't moving, ethanol isn't moving, and yet the Energy Information Administration has ethanol production at its highest level in four months. Um, RFS proposal over to OMB due November 30. Jim, update us. Well, the ethanol and actually the ag sector, they worry about every other day about something new. <laughs> Okay, that's well, it's kind one. of their job, right? It's well, their job. It is their job, but it gets boring. And we boring. appreciate them for it. It's just boring <laughs> to me, though. But let's let's cut the chase on the rail strike. The two uh, the two unions who voted no, they want Congress to get into the act. That's why you had the extension of the of the no strike you know, until into early December. They want Congress to settle it because they think uh, with the pro-union Democrats in Congress that they're going to get a better deal. So it huh. uh, it may take some time, but it's going to be settled. Well, huh. well, was, the way I read it was kind of confusing. It was where we could have strikes before some some of the groups could even vote. And it just... It, it it just feels like this is such a strategic issue economically and business-wise and how little the country could afford to have this size of a disruption to rail service. It it's just it needs to be sorted out and quickly, especially with some of the economic concerns that are we've already talked about foreshadowed for 23. Yeah. Well, what is it? Two billion dollars a day estimated a day. in times. Yeah, mm-hmm. a day. So mm-hmm. if they want a recession, they'll they'll get it. Well, and shameless agri-plug here, we had Troy Bredenkamp from the Renewable Fuels Association talking uh, talking rail and some of these issues yesterday on uh, Thursday's morning show. You can check that out, beloved listener, uh, if you like. Um, Sean, Ontario's provincial government wants to swap out some prime farmland, uh, pave paradise and put up a parking lot, and they say, yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll switch it out for some northern Ontario acreage. Uh, are are you following this story at all? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we we had uh, NDP MPP from Ontario, uh, John Vantoff, on the show earlier this week, and uh, you know this is a concern. This is like you know just saying one to one on the acre front uh, between Northern Ontario and Southwestern Ontario. That's like the best prime farmland in Iowa being sh- swapped for pieces of dry land in the in the driest parts of Montana. Um, it's not exactly equal when it comes to production capabilities. And uh, this is a concern. 320 acres of farmland is lost per day in Ontario due to urban sprawl. At some point, okay, when we, and with so much concern about food, at some point, we're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation with our urban friends about maybe we should build up instead of out all the time. Uh, and all this is not about how, you know, the Ford government was talking about this being about limiting housing costs or, you know, put it, trying to put a cap on housing costs or create more supply. But it's also about Costco's and Walmart's and parking lots and, and paving it over. And this is prime farmland. It's a, I think it's a major concern for people in Southwest Ontario, but anybody that farms up against an urban center. Well, and it's not just that it's, that it's prime productive farmland. It's also uh, climatologically, and I'm not climate change or any of that, but just the climate is right for growing crops there, whereas it's not quite so favorable up in northern Ontario, no matter how much nitrogen you put in that soil. Absolutely. And then, and then there's also the side of it where, you know, if they have to clear a bunch of brush or trees for that land and, you know, 7,000 acres in northern Ontario, you're going to have a whole bunch of activists saying, uh, no, thank you, because what about all of the carbon impact from cutting down those trees. So I'm not sure this is exactly settled yet, 
And it, it's it's a discussion and a debate that is happening over and over and over in a whole bunch of areas in North America. Did Trudeau skip out on COP27? Did I read that or did he just send someone else? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, the environment minister, Stephen Globel, is there. Okay. And a whole bunch, a huge Canadian delegation. There actually is an egg pavilion that I've got a few friends I've talked to that are there. So uh, a lot of talk oh. about regenerative egg, of course, and the, how cover crops are going to save us all. So we'll we'll have, uh, we'll have to find out more about what happened at COP27. I do want to find out more about what happened at COP27 and talk about it. Uh, Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, we'll wrap it up in this following segment. Your pal, Davis Michelson, glad to have you along on AgriTalk. Stick around. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Ah, I can't help but own neither whether Chip will come back refreshed and ready to go for another week of coverage on Agritalk. Hmm. Anyway, welcome back to Agritalk. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Hey, before we get back to Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer, Policy OG, and Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Let's get to today's installment of Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And let's head northward to northwestern Minnesota, Red Lake County, where a farmer writes, quote, It's crazy how things turned out for us. Some guys were days away from declaring prevent plant and ended up with some incredible yields even after summer drought and some hail the resiliency of the crop. Showing its stripes in Red Lake County, Minnesota, yields in the fields is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. Um, Sean, you teased that you had some friends lurking around the COP27 conference on climate in Egypt uh, this this last week, what are you, what are you hearing? Uh, beef is not on the menu. I heard that complaint. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, I, I think in talking to people that are there and have been at past cops, this is you know you can say that a lot of this is about trying to educate people that are activists on the climate file about what are some of the good things that agriculture is doing. Educate is probably being positive. I would put it's more we're we're trying to defend what our practices are and, and trying to just hold the front, so to speak, on on what those practices can be going forward. As we try to sort out the carbon markets and things like that, the question is, 
how patient will will people be with some of those things but um yeah it's it, the whole thing about cop is it's it, it's a lot of show I, i'm not sure it's a lot of go and that's been one of the criticisms that you know a lot of countries around the world are making all these claims on emission reductions and it, the, the results have not been there and so a lot of it's pr politically and financially for a lot of companies when it comes to wall street investments well one thing that i saw coming out of it that that actually kind of encourages me a little bit is some african nations uh, talking to the committee and saying, look, we need fossil fuels to keep us from from poverty. We we need fossil fuels moving forward. It's good to hear at least some kind of pushback from somewhere. Yeah, well, and that's isn't that kind of sort of like well, we when you have the GMO discussion where you know some can can some some of those poor nations afford not to have access to some of the latest in, in farming trait technology mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, some ideological political belief in a, in a very well-off nation, say in Europe. Uh, I think it's a very similar discussion. And Jim, speaking of uh, big old conferences with uh, abbreviations and such, we've got the G20 coming up. I believe it starts next week. Uh, Putin was sent an invitation, but probably won't be a welcome guest at the G20. Your thoughts? Online only, virtual. And, you know, Putin's, uh, now we're seeing, uh, didn't think we'd see it so overtly. He's kind of tempering himself now. So I think gearing up his country for a major defeat in Ukraine. Uh, so that's of note. Uh, I don't know how any negotiations will go, but that's something to watch. Uh, on Monday, I believe, uh, President Biden will meet for the first time in person with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. When when leaders talk, I always like that because uh, it's you know better to talk in person uh, than just pontificate from both sides. Like, how does Putin? Let, let's just say they do retreat and they 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 leave Ukraine. How does he claim this is a victory? And and what does his future look like politically in Russia? And and do the citizens of Russia stand for what has actually happened here over the over the course of 2022? How he handles this is 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 truly, truly fascinating to me. Yeah, if, yeah. if he does withdraw. Yeah. Well, he's got to have a corridor. So that's where the negotiations on a settlement come in. And I know the U.S. officials behind the scenes have been pressing Ukraine, but uh, he has been their president has been reluctant to date. So unless they can keep it about as close as it was before the invasion, that's your key. Is it possible he's pulling out of Kherson um, just waiting for the ground to freeze? And possibly trying to pull some Ukrainian troops and concentrate them in that in that area, and then once we see temperatures drop far enough for him to drive his heavy equipment over uh, over to that area, that that we see it fire back up again, Jim. That's why I think it's a, it's a gerund. It's ongoing. Yeah, you cannot trust him whatsoever, whatsoever. Yeah, there was a tweet from David Frum where you know he put it even more starkly. I think Davis, where you know, is, is this a, a with a retreat or is this just the first step in a more sinister plan going forward that will be really, yeah. really tragic? So, uh, all a decoy, the, a decoy. Yeah, yeah, all all guesses are on the table. Well, and they say Putin was a martial artist, and so I'm sure that he read uh, what's that book by Sung Tzu? Uh, oh, The Art of War, which is to appear weak when you are strong. I just I can't shake that notion. Um, and you're exactly well, right. 
being once a, sly a KG, KGB guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, once who knows? a KGB beer, always a KGB. Exactly. Beer. Yes, yes. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. But he's he's a pariah now around the world, and so that's why he is not going in person to the G20. You know, you know, you know, going there virtually. Well, mm-hmm. could you imagine the photographer trying to get group photos? What <laughs> world leader in the G20? Would want to be at the wine and cheese with a glass of champagne and hey, you're standing beside Vladimir Putin. Maybe caviar. Everybody squeeze in. No, squeeze in. A little further. And he's pretty further. short. Yeah, you could hide him in a video. He's so short. Uh, just real quick, we're, we are, are already out of time, but China eases some COVID restrictions. The markets sure like it. I think it's the beginning of a better policy, and that's good for the world trade, and it's good for Apple stock. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to well, need gosh, that better trade in 23. It yes. almost feels like the, if things go the way they seem to be going, well, things might be looking up, boys. I, uh, I, I loved our conversation today. Jim agrees. Uh, Sean Haney, Real Ag Radio, thank you for your insights. We appreciate the Alberta breeze whenever we can get you to blow through, brother. Uh, so much fun, everybody. Have a great weekend. Jim Wiesmeyer, have a great week. Appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Well, that wraps up the free-for-all today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, veterans. Thank you, veterans. We appreciate you. Uh, This afternoon, I've got Brian Split for a conversation on the markets. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. Thank you for tuning in this morning on AgriTalk. I love you all.